and welcome to episode three of Coffee and Covid. This week I was grateful that something normal returned, my sleep pattern, as my night shifts in intensive care finished and I was back doing the days, which I always find more relaxing as there's more people around. I mean, night shifts in hospital are sort of exciting, for the first few hours anyway. It's a bit like a sleepover where you constantly snack and then at around one in the morning you just really want to be in bed. So it's nice to return to a normal circadian rhythm for this episode where I catch up with my friend Sarah Hazel who is an intensive care nurse which is a specialist trained nursing area and absolutely vital to running intensive care units. We last caught up at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival last year Sadly, we won't be able to repeat that in a few months, so like most people, we had to make do with a digital catch-up. So here's Sarah explaining what her job is and what has changed for her. So I'm a nurse in intensive care in one of the major trauma hospitals, so we're busy anyway, sort of day to day, and this is just another element that we're having to deal with. And how long have you been an intensive care nurse now? In general, ICU only since December. So I was in cardiothoracics before that in intensive care, but it's slightly different. So yeah, only since December I started this job and this is not what I was expecting when I took my first job in general ICU. To start with being general ICU, you can get patients from any discipline of medicine. And now it's very much respiratory guided that we're, you know, these are patients that need ventilating high levels of oxygen Whereas before we were getting trauma, surgical cases, we'd see pneumonias as well. In, but yeah, a bit, a bit of everything. We've experienced some similar things, like wearing the full PPE or personal protective equipment for hours and hours, which means less access to things we take for granted, like a drink of water. And being in PPE for so long is tiring, and people do try to keep the morale up. But I've realised you've got to be careful when smiling or laughing as too much of a chuckle and a mask can break its seal. Also, the exhaustion after these shifts is something else. Each one leaves you with that feeling of jet lag after a long-haul flight, sadly without the excitement of being on a beach with a cocktail. We do 12 and a half hours as standards, but we, we do three or four a week. But And you're tired after those anyway, but... But yeah, there's something different about these. And I don't really know what it is. I don't know if it's just wearing the PPE or if you're just more aware of how quickly things can go wrong. But yeah, it's just it's just exhausting. It's hard going. I get headaches whilst I'm working from the visors. Some of them are really difficult to wear for more than like an hour. And we're expected to be in it for up to six hours at a time. And then we get a break and then we do the rest of our shift. But that was our kind of to try and reduce our use of PPE. That was what they said was six hours in, 45 minute break, six hours, and then that's you done. But it's just, it's not feasible because you're sore, you're dehydrated. And yeah, I used to get, I just get a really bad headache. We've got a few nurses and doctors who have had problems, like really big problems with their skin being in it for so long. I've got these rashes on my wrist that I think is from having like one glove and then you've got your gown and then you've got another glove it's difficult to manage whenever i'm asked what's the biggest change i always say the pp because it just it's a huge barrier to what you normally do and it makes everything just a little bit more difficult 
once I'm inside the zone in, in, in ICU, I'm always then going around asking nurses, is there anything else you need or anything? Because like, as soon as you're out, it feels like such a big thing to come back in, plus to conserve PPE. Whereas yeah. before, you could always just pop back in, couldn't you? Yeah, you just go in and out. You can go out for a glass of water, go out to the toilet without having to think about... Or like, I know! Even, like, even having a drink on your breaks, I think, well, I'll have one glass now because then hopefully I won't need the toilet until my next break. And it's trying to plan things like that that you shouldn't have to think about. The pulling together and teamwork across the NHS has been crucial to tackling the crisis and one of the positives in these dark times. It's created some challenges too, like working with new people and working in new environments means that communication is more important. Little things can help, like putting your name on the outside of your personal protective equipment so that you know who it is behind the mask. Although on one occasion I realised that all my colleagues in the unit had exactly the same name. At least I could remember it. It's difficult. I think everyone we've had has been really good because they have been properly slung into to doing this work. And we did have a few weeks where we were trying to get nurses in from other areas to have a look at the ventilators before we were full. You know, just familiarise yourself with the area. But we, we filled up so quickly once we got our first couple of patients in that we just we didn't have the resources to do that so now we're still finding that we're getting nurses in from other hospitals even who have never looked after a ventilated patient and they're being put with a ventilated patient and have an ICU nurse next to them but then if your patient's sick you can't spend that time with that nurse to teach them how to do things and it's very much a if these numbers change come and get me (laughs) or you know trying to just set them parameters of if it's if whatever is between these values we're okay but if it goes below a certain number try and flag someone and a lot of our patients are getting tracheostomies as well and they've never looked after someone with a tracheostomy they've never looked after someone on a ventilator quite a few of the theater nurses don't do iv medications because they they just they don't have to and it's a separate competency as a nurse so they've not done that course if they've found it difficult do you think themselves yeah I think so especially when I think some of them are coming down thinking that they'll be buddied up with someone and it's just not the case sometimes and all you can do is say like that we are around and we'll try and you know come and make sure that you're okay as as often as we can we'll always try and have a spare ICU nurse who can walk around and just make sure everyone's all right but as I say there's things happen it's busy there's emergencies often and you just you don't always have the time to spend with them what would you say has been the biggest sort of challenge compared to what you're normally used to doing in ICU probably just not having a full team of our staff and although these guys who are coming in are very very good you're always aware that they're not used to that environment and it just has you on edge a little bit more I think and that's probably what why it's so exhausting as well because you're always overseeing other people you know yeah. you're used to having one patient it's for the most part one-to-one in ICU but suddenly you've got your own but you're also overseeing two or three other patients. Have you had other doctors come in as well because we've obviously had our proning team is made up of orthopedic surgeons mostly. No way! <laughs> so. 
so we get these four, usually four orthopedic surgeons and then one of our uh, consultants for the airway and then a couple of other, sometimes the physios as well, but they'll kind of swan in a couple of times a day to, to prone everyone, well not everyone, but prone whoever needs proned and yeah, we've got a lot of a lot of new faces and again that's what makes the PPE so difficult as well because I don't know I don't know who you are I don't know where you've come from I don't know how comfortable you are yeah. with you know the ventilation I don't know if I'm supposed to be asking you these questions because are you the appropriate person to ask you know it's all it's just all yeah. a bit more difficult have you found communication difficult at all I I mean my hearing isn't that great at the best of times but with everyone having the mask on I need to get right into people's faces to hear what they're saying and I never realized how much I relied on being able to watch people speak mm-hmm. before like yeah and if people are trying to chat to me and I'm not looking at them I I don't I'm not paying attention New environments has also brought with it new equipment to become familiar with for example, in anaesthetics, we use different machines to ventilate patients than the ventilators on intensive care. It's a little bit like going abroad and hiring a car. You know how to drive, but you need to get used to the new car and driving on the other side of the road. Plus, things are changing on a daily basis sometimes. Guidelines are changing, and we learn from other countries, such as the proning or lying on your front. It's even meant that new teams have been created in the hospital we've had to expand so we've got four ICU units now we'd usually have two so now we're stretched across those four we've got two kind of makeshift ICUs that have popped up they, they were our high dependence unit and in those we've got a whole variety of different ventilators each patient could be on a different vent and I've never seen any of them before some of them are really old and some of them are really fancy all touch screen but you, you're, you're going in there expected to know how to how to use this stuff and it's like oh actually I've never seen that before so so that's that's quite daunting but for the most part in in our two uh, usual ICs we've not had there's not been too much that's different for our staff of course everything's different for the new staff. Proning things interesting because I remember when I uh, was starting anaesthetics there was a couple of times maybe once or twice we had a case where we talked about proning and the whole idea of proning someone was alien to me now it's like daily before that was that something you did a lot in ICU proning not that much I think so I as I said I started in December and I think we've had maybe two or three patients proned in that time um so not very often at all you know it's not it's a I don't want to say last resort, but it's, you know, it's it's not something that you're thinking of first for, for your bog standard patient, whereas these guys certainly benefit from it. So, yeah, um, I'm still not used to not being able to see everyone's faces when I come into the unit. That's the strangest thing about it. You're just you're used to being able to see your patient. <laughs> we talked about how prepared we felt. I mean, I don't think anyone can feel fully prepared for a pandemic. Plus, with such a seismic shift in the healthcare landscape over the last couple of months and big changes in hospitals, I asked Sarah what she saw the future being like. So difficult to say because we we had a good couple of weeks where we were kind of getting our patients transferred and moved so that they were away from the unit because we were always going to be the first unit to take the COVID positive patients. So we started preparing two or three weeks before we got our first positive patient but 
even then you can't you, you can't prepare for something like this because if you you know you've never been through it before and no one no one had been in, through anything like this but it was very strange seeing all these empty beds when you're used to being full and you're just waiting for it to start and it was mm. very much that kind of calm before the storm and I don't know whether that made everyone a little bit more anxious because you're just like we've got an empty unit here and you could come back tomorrow and there'll be 10 patients in it we don't know how quickly this is going to kick off once it starts and for the first week after we got our first positive patient I think we had about three patients for the first five or six days and that was quite nice because we kind of got to grips with how they react to you know being moved and certain aspects of care and then I was off for a few days and when I came back we were full actually when these patients then when we're starting to wake them up they've been so heavily sedated that they're going to wake up delirious and that's another challenge in itself if you're a bit thin on the ground for staff and you know they're usually quite precarious they're ver they're usually very fragile from a from an oxygen sort of point of view and actually weaning sedation when you've not got experienced staff is is difficult as well um, and I don't really know how we'd overcome something like that because they need to be so heavily sedated in in that initial period and that initial period can as you say last two weeks three weeks um we've had yeah we've had people in over a month when you're on a set of shifts let's say do they tend to match you with the same patient you've been with before so you kind of know the background or do you tend to move if we're on a block of shifts they'll usually put us with the same patient depends a little bit on skill mix and it's far harder to to manage I think at the moment because you don't know who's coming in from the support team and so you might be more suitable somewhere else I'm still trying to do my shifts together as a three just to try and get that continuity and at the moment I can't see how long this is going to take to to resolve because there's always potential that we're going to have COVID positive patients and we will be the ICU that takes them so we were the first to take them and we'll be the last unit to kind of discharge discharge that last patient whenever it happens we've expanded as well yeah. and I don't know if they're doing it at yours but they're starting to talk about what we're going to do how we're going to get back to sort of doing normal surgeries for the foreseeable future we're going to have some COVID patients so they yeah, can't okay. be with the others so surely they're going to keep this expansion going because the only way to do to get back to normal is to have a sort of an intensive care area where you can take post-operative patients yeah. but also an area where you have to have PPE and stuff yeah exactly we both also work in comedy and for me as a comedian all my live shows for the foreseeable future have been cancelled and for Sarah who also works at Macfest a unique comedy festival in Wales it's meant changes there too also, the Edinburgh Fringe has been cancelled this year. Now, even before the pandemic, the swelling of the population in Edinburgh during the Fringe, plus a lack of hygiene in some facilities, always made me think it would be a petri dish for spreading illness. So what will the future be like there? don't even want to think about it. I think whenever a vaccine does come, that's going to be the only time when people finally think, oh, actually it's okay and we can do that because we've been vaccinated where yeah it's always going to be sort of in your mind isn't it so you, you were meant to be a mac were you yeah it was supposed to be this weekend should have been driving down on thursday not missed one yet in its 10 years of 
of being. Um, so yeah, that's that's hard. And I'd given myself really awful shifts either side of the festival so that I could go. So I've still had to do those as well. Oh, so no. I've been on like a run of like a run of five shifts, and then next week's pretty awful as well. So that I could have the weekend off, and then it didn't happen. I do the artist liaison side, so just checking it, you know, checking everyone in and making sure they're happy. But half of it's about seeing the people. You know, there's a good bunch of people that I only see that weekend of the year. So that's that's hard, not being able to, you know, just have that weekend away. Which brings us to the good things. And during these sweltering hot days, what better gift could there be to a hospital than this? Someone donated a freezer, now it's full of ice lollies, which is a godsend after taking all that PPE off. So that's been really lovely. And just lots of lots of foodie donations and drinks and things like that. Everyone's been so kind. Have you found anything particular during this period that's helped you cope? It's difficult because, as you say, we're, we're still working. So we've, we've still got that stability. And like my shifts haven't changed. I'm not really, I've done some overtime but not much and my partner still goes to work so for us to like we're both still working we've got the dog that we take out once a day and I miss seeing my friends certainly but kind of our day-to-day life hasn't changed that much it's just having to think oh actually I, I don't need to get that immediately I can do a big shop tomorrow and you know it's little things like thinking oh I'll just walk and I'll just go to the shop and pick this up and it's like oh actually I probably shouldn't do that <laughs> so it's that like element of freedom but you know we're, we're coping we're coping okay we moved house on the day lockdown started so that like that was difficult so we haven't got like any bedroom furniture um, and things like that because we want to be able to go and look at it in the shop we've got a bed but we don't have any wardrobes or anything like that but we've moved into a house with a garden and that has made a huge difference and actually being able to sit outside is just fantastic so that brings us to the end of episode three i hope you enjoyed it and are enjoying these podcasts and finding them informative If you're feeling generous, please do give this podcast a five-star review on your podcast app and leave a few words too. And please do subscribe, share this podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. If you'd like to ask a question, you can do so by going to coffeeandcovid.co.uk and if appropriate, we will try to answer them in future episodes. On Twitter, you can find me at dredpatrick. Music was created by David Curran. You can find links to his work and more in the episode notes. Take care and I look forward to you joining me for episode four.